Thank you. Well, good morning, Tunnel Hill Baptist Church. It is a pleasure to be with you folks today and excited for the opportunity to be here in the absence of Brother Josh. I've gotten to know your pastor over the last couple of years, and you have a good pastor. Did you know that? He is a loving man, and he loves Jesus, and he loves the gospel, and I'm thankful for Brother Josh, but obviously thankful for Tunnel Hill Baptist Church as well. Uh, we want to say thank you to, to this church for being part of the Kentucky Baptist Convention family. You may not know this, but as you give through the cooperative program, which is our way of giving to missions in, as Southern Baptists, you, Tunnel Hill Baptist Church, is making a gigantic impact every time you give through the cooperative program. For example, you are helping ministries like Onita Bible Institute, like Clear Creek Bible College, like Sunrise Children's Services. You are putting field missionaries in the field like myself who are able to come and help churches. In addition to that, you are helping the North American Mission Board plant churches in New York City and L.A. and Cincinnati and Indianapolis, which I hear you guys are helping a church plant in Indianapolis. Um, and in addition to that, you are putting over 3,000 missionaries on the field that do not have to come back home and do fundraising or raise support because of churches just like Tunnel Hill that are, that are giving through the cooperative program. Listen, folks, we really are better together. Amen? When we work together, we really are better together. Well, it was a privilege to be with you guys today and excited for that opportunity. I was joking with Brother Joe that uh, this was a long drive for me today, all the way from Winchester Park to here. It wasn't quite like a few Sundays ago when I was in Bardwell, Kentucky, which is on the Mississippi River, okay? So this was a long drive today, obviously. But I, I'm so glad to be with you all today. If you have a copy of God's Word with you today, whether it opens or it glows this morning, if you would, take your Bible and open it to the book of Acts, chapter 16. We'll be starting in verse 6. Um, you know, there's a lot of things in this world that's confusing. We have four children. Um, the oldest is 11. The youngest is four. So it's always chaos in our house. And my mind is always spinning. And my brain is always going sideways. And I feel like I live in a state of confusion all the time. And I don't always like to be confused. I heard a story, a fictional story, about a guy that uh, wasn't the best of all guys. He was, a, he was a thief, and he decided to rob houses for a living is what he did. And the story goes that he went to one house, and it was, he was in there, you know, uh, robbing the house. The family was gone, and all the lights are down. It was dark in the house, how he liked to operate. And he heard this voice, and the voice said, God is watching you. He was so confused. He thought somebody was in the house with him, but he didn't see anybody. So he, he kept on looting the house. And then he heard it again. God is watching you. So confused. And then a third time. God is watching you. So in his confusion, he decided to flip on a light. And there in the middle of that room was a parrot sitting in a cage. And he walked over to it, and he could see that the parrot was the one that was talking. And right underneath the parrot's cage was a little placard that said, Ishmael. And he said, what kind of idiot would name a parrot Ishmael? And the parrot spoke up and said, the same kind of idiot that would name a Rottweiler God. 
Well, the reality is, is that sometimes confusion leads us in darkness, and we don't really know the real answer until the light is flipped on. What I've learned through working with Kentucky Baptist churches and being all over the state, helping churches understand the Great Commission and outreach and evangelism, gospel to every home, Brother Joe, is this, is that a lot of folks are simply confused about outreach. And they are confused about sharing the gospel. They are confused about the Great Commission. You know, Jesus told us right before he ascended into, into heaven, he said that we are to go into all the world and we are to make disciples of all nations and to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and to teach them to obey everything he's commanded. But when we think about the Great Commission, we are often confused. Uh, who is this for? Is, is this just for missionaries on the field? Is this just for pastors or church leaders? Is it for deacons? Who is the Great Commission for? And how am I supposed to be part of the Great Commission? How am I supposed to share my faith? I don't know. I don't know the first thing about telling somebody about Jesus. I don't know how to have a personal conversation with somebody. I don't, I don't know how to start a gospel conversation. I don't know how to tell somebody about the Lord. And what we need today is a light flipped on to help us understand how to share the good news of Jesus and to understand that it is not just the church leader's responsibility to share the gospel, but it is all of our responsibility to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's stand to honor the reading of God's word this morning. Acts chapter 16, to give you some context, Jesus has already ascended into heaven. The church has been birthed. The Apostle Paul is now on one of his missionary journeys, spreading the gospel and telling people about Jesus. And we pick up in chapter 16, verse 6, of Paul in missionary work, spreading the gospel. The Word of God reads this. They went through the region of Nigeria and Galatia. Uh, they had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bethania, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Passing by Mysia, they went down the Troas. Now look here. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, cross over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Father, we thank you for the word. May you bless it this morning. We ask you, God, to open up our hearts and to bring clarity, God, for the Great Commission, to bring clarity for our role in sharing the good news of Jesus. Help me, Lord, today to preach your word. I need you today. And I pray that I'd preach it faithfully and within context. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. And if there be one person here today that does not know you as Savior, I pray today would be the day that they would repent of their sins, believe that you died and you rose again, and give their life to you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. So the text tells us that Paul is on one of his missionary journeys, and he's with Timothy. And he's with Silas. 
And on his journey, he is desiring, he's probably going north up from Antioch, and he is desiring to go east. He has a couple places in mind. He wants to move east into Asia. But every time he tries, God doesn't let him. The text says, now this is weird, isn't it? The text says that the Holy Spirit stops him from going east. And then the text says that the Spirit of Jesus stopped him from going east. And then at the end they conclude that God had stopped them and directed them in another path. So you had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit trying to get Paul's attention to go another way. Now listen, do you think if the entire Trinity is involved with guiding your path, do you think you should pay attention to that? What do you think? I think that's probably pretty important, that the Spirit, the Father, and the Son was all involved in trying to get Paul not to go east, but west. Now, did, did the Lord want the people in the east to hear the gospel? What do you think? Absolutely he did. He wanted folks in the east to be saved, but it was through God's hand that he wanted Paul to go west. And they can't go east. So they, they, they hunker down, and then Paul has a vision. It was just God's will for him to go west instead of east in this particular situation. And in the vision, he sees a Macedonian man. And the man is pleading to him. Now, we don't know who that man was. We don't have a clue who that man was. It doesn't matter who that man was. But the point was is that this man was from Macedonia. And Paul was to listen to this man who was saying, Come over to us and help us go west instead of east. So at that point, um, they conclude that God had directed them to go west into Macedonia, which is the, the Greece area. And they go, and they go into Philippi. And what you see here is God sovereignly directing the path of Paul, Timothy, and Silas. And at this point, Dr. Luke also joins them at this point because the we passages in Acts pick up here. You see the word we, and that means that Luke is also join them somewhere to go west. And I just love this story because it shows us that God is really involved when we're trying to share the faith, that God is really involved in your own personal life, and he's trying to direct your path and to get you to the right people that he wants you to be sharing the gospel to and working on your path. So as you are thinking today about the Great Commission, you're thinking about sharing the gospel with people. There's no need for you to be in confusion today. God wants you to know he wants you to know how to share your faith. There could be clarity with the Great Commission. There's three things I want you to see from this text, okay? Actually, three questions that I want you to ask yourself today that we can derive from this text. Question one is this. Who needs me? Now, do me a favor this morning. Look at somebody today. Look at a neighbor. Turn around and look at them. Just look at somebody it involves you turning your head, okay? Look at somebody and ask them this question, all right? You ready? Just ask them this. Who needs me? Who needs me? And y'all sounded real sad saying that today. Who needs me? That's the first question we're going to ask. Who needs me? Now look back at the text, verse 9, first part, the first part of it. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a what? A Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him. Again, we don't know who the man was, but the point was that it was a Macedonian man. And God was using this vision to tell Paul that he was to go into Macedonia, which was almost 
kind of, our brain, kind of help your brains, think of it as a region or a, st- or a, or a state or a, a county. Think of it like that, Macedonia as a large region. And there was a Macedonian man calling Paul to come and help him. He was pleading, don't go east, go west. Go to us and share the gospel. You know, there are people in your life, in your own life, that are pleading for somebody to give them the answer. They are confused in this life. They don't know the answer. They don't know that Christ is God. They don't know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They don't know where they're going to go when they die. They have no clue. And they need somebody to tell them that unless they repent of their sins and believe in Jesus, that they can be saved and rescued and that they can have forgiveness of sin and experience abundant life and have their entire lives radically changed for Jesus. They can have that, but they don't know it. And they just need somebody to come and tell them about how good Jesus is. Who would agree with me today that you just love Jesus and he's good? Anybody today? Man, I just love Jesus. I love Jesus. He's my best friend. And he's real. And I want people to know that Jesus is real. And he's wonderful. But they don't know that. And there are people in your life today that don't know that, that don't know the Lord. So how do we find these people that don't know the goodness of Jesus, that don't know how great Jesus is? How do we find them? Well, God could give you a vision where they show up in your mind. But to be honest with you, I don't think he, he operates like that most of the time. I think that's a special case when God does that, as with Paul. Uh, but the reality is he has given you the word, amen? And he has given you the Holy Spirit. You know, when you believe in Jesus, the Spirit fills you. And I believe the Lord tells us now to go into all the world and tell the gospel. And I believe the Spirit can direct you and guide you. So who is he leading you to? Who's on your heart today? Who do you have a burden for to get saved? Who do you want to get saved that's connected to you? Maybe that's the person God is leading you to tell them about Jesus. How many of you all have ever been on a mission trip before? Raise your hand. Um, I've had the opportunity to go to uh, Honduras on several occasions. Uh, I've been to New York City on a few occasions and have had a great opportunity to go share the gospel in many places. And I've always noticed that whenever we take a mission team to share the gospel, that we are just so focused. I mean, uber focused. When we're there, we're, we're ready to tell everybody. If you've got a pulse, we're going to tell you about Jesus, you know. And I've often noticed that when we get back in the van or the airplane or whatever and we're flying back, one of the most common questions that my team or a team will begin to say is this, why can't we do this back home? Why don't we do this back home? That's normally what's asked. Why don't we do this back home? And the reality is is that when you're on a mission trip, you're so focused. You're seeing the lost. You're seeing the need. But when you come back home to a very comfortable area, We have a tendency to close our eyes, do we not? And we have a tendency, and I think mission trips are wonderful because if anything, they actually fire a church up to do the work back home. You need to go on mission trips because it really changes your perspective. It's a a good thing. It helps the church as a whole. 
when you send out mission trips because they come back with this realization, oh my goodness, there's lost people here too. And I need to open my eyes and see the lost right now. So open your eyes, Tunnel Hill, this morning. Who is God leading you to? Who do you see that doesn't know the Lord? Is it a grandson or a granddaughter, a husband or a wife, a parent? Is it a neighbor that doesn't know the Lord? Is it a coworker that doesn't know the Lord? Who is it? Who in your life today that you're connected to in somehow, some way that does not have a relationship with Jesus? So let me answer that question. Who needs me? The person in your life that doesn't know the Lord. That's who needs you. That's question number one. Now, here's the second question. Are you ready? Who needs me? But number two is what do they need from me? So look at your neighbor again. Go ahead. Look at them again. Look at them again. And repeat after me. Ask them this question. What do they need from me? Ask. What do they need from me? Who needs me? And what do they need from me? Now, let's go back to the text. Verse 9, second half. What did the Macedonian man specifically say? Cross over to Macedonia and help us. So what did the Macedonians need from Paul and his evangelistic team? Are you ready? They needed them to do two things. Cross over and what? Help them. Cross over means what? It implies what? Some work. Some travel, does it not? It implies that you've got to do something. You got to get out of the pew and you got to go somewhere. You got to cross over. And by the way, don't you love that the Great Commission starts with the words what? Go. <laughs> go. Go. I think every church needs a big sign hanging up that says, Now entering the mission field when you walk out the door. You got to go. It takes some good old fashioned effort. Amen. Amen. You know what grows the church? This is going to blow your mind. You ready? You know what grows the church? You know what grows the church? You know, you ready? It's when you go out and tell people about Jesus. That's it. Well, every pastor, brother, we just need our church to grow. Well, why hasn't it grown? Why hasn't it grown? We just want our, well, why hasn't it? You ready? Because we aren't telling people about Jesus. Are y'all with me on that? That's why churches don't grow, because they don't tell people about Jesus. This is not rocket science. So they need you to get busy, amen? Cross over. Get busy. But the second thing was what? They need you to do what? Help them. Now listen, there's great ways that we help people, and, and I love the old saying that people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. You ever heard that before? But the problem is this is that so often we are so quick to do blessings to people. You know, maybe we bring them food, we, we might go on a mission trip and dig a well and help clean water, and all of those things are very, very important. And they show and they demonstrate the love of Christ. When we are in our community, actually when you're in your community showing the love of Jesus, what that does is it paves the way for you to share the gospel. It paves the way. But if you just show the blessing, but you don't give them the gospel, there is a disconnect. 
I heard a missionary say one time, he said, you know what? If you come over and you give everybody food, here's what's going to happen. If you don't give them the gospel as well, you're going to send them to hell on a full stomach. That's what's going to happen. You're going to send them to hell on a full stomach. You've got to always present the gospel. Amen. And what is the gospel? That Christ is God and that he died in the place for us on the cross, that he died for our sins and was buried and on the third day rose again. And if we repent of our sins and believe and trust in Jesus, we can be saved. Amen. So we got to cross over and do some work. Amen. And we got to help them. We got to get busy out of our comfort zones. I have a, a, some friends of mine I love them, and they have two small children, about the age of two of our kids, and they're just wonderful people. But the Lord called them out of their home, and they moved their two children and themselves into Southeast Asia, into a Muslim Islamic country. They have, they have to change the way they dress. They have to learn a different language. They have to do a lot of stuff in order to present the gospel to the people in that country. And it's a lot of it's under the radar, Brother Joe. And it's hard work, especially with two kids. And you may say, why would you do that? And you ask him that. Why did you do that? Leave, your, you know, leave the grandparents, leave the support system, all that. Why did you do that? And he'll tell you, and, and not just move across, but all the studying that goes into that, the language work and the, the cultural understanding. And you know what he'll tell you? People die and go to hell over there. They need Jesus. That's what he'll tell you. And if I don't go, who will? God told me to go. And I went. For the cause of the gospel. So what do they need from you? You ready? They need you to tell them about Jesus. That Jesus loves them and wants to save them. The greatest help you'll ever be to anybody is to be an evangelist to somebody. Is to tell them the good news of Jesus. So who needs you? What do they need from you? Now here's the third question. Are you ready? When do they need me? So turn around, look at your neighbor again. We've got one more question to ask you. You've gone with me this far. Don't, don't kick out yet, all right? Look at them. Ask them this question. When do they need me? Go for it. Well, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> because here's what the text says. Look at verse 10. After he had seen the vision, we what? What's the word used? What, tell, somebody tell me. What does it say? We what? We immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding what? That God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Luke, the author of the book of Acts, joins the evangelistic party at this point. That's where the we passage comes in at. And Paul apparently tells them about the Macedonian vision. They conclude that God is in this, that they are not to go east, they are to go west. And when are they to go? 
Are they to like wait a couple of days, raise? Should we pray about this some more? What do you think? I, I don't know. Should we go to the church back in Antioch and ask them if it's okay for us to go west? When do they go? Immediately. Right then. By the way, if God tells you to do something, you know when the best time to do that is? Oh, right then. Amen. The Lord tells you to do something, you don't wait and form a committee to do it, right? You do it. Amen. You do it. I always loved it, Joe, when I was a pastor. I just feel like we need this ministry in our church, Brother Kenny. We just need to start that ministry. Can we start that ministry? I said, man, I think that's great. When are you going to begin? No, no, I don't mean me doing it. Well, sure. If God laid it on your heart, bingo, you're the one that's supposed to do it. Don't ever go to Brother Josh and say, I think we should start this ministry and you not be the one willing to lead it. Don't you do that. If you're not willing to lead it, don't even tell Josh about it. Amen? Because when God speaks to you, guess who's supposed to do it? Shocker, you. You. But notice the text. I'm derailing. Notice the text. They immediately go. They don't waste effort or time. They go. They are obedient to God. When we are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Lord has told us to go into all the world to make disciples. Obviously, when we disobey a command that God tells us to do something, we call that what? What is it when we disobey God? Sin. So can we sin by not telling people about Jesus? Absolutely. The sin of silence. He's told you to go. You don't go. That's, that's sinful. Many of our churches need to repent of this sinful behavior of not telling people about Jesus. I want to read you some stats real quick that, that I want you just to hear this. Um, it's estimated that in the United States we have a population of um, of, of seven point, uh, I'm sorry, we have a population in the United States of 320 million people in the United States. It is estimated that every year, um, two, uh, let, let me, re-read, re-read, let me re-read, reread this. The United States population is 124th of the world population. That's 320 million of 7.6 billion people. In the United States, 2.6 million people die each year. That is approximately 7,123 people each day, 297 people each hour, and roughly five people every minute in the United States that dies. The people who need you and need the gospel from you, the reason they need it right now, Friends, because people die. You realize that, right? They die. And if a person dies without Christ in their life, they will split hell wide open. That's how it works. So what happens if God lays somebody on your heart today and you don't tell them and they go out into eternity tomorrow? And God had laid it on your heart to tell that person about Jesus. What if God lays somebody on your heart to tell about the Lord, and you put it off, put it off, put it off, and you die? 
And I hope the Lord sends somebody else. But he told you to do it. Friends, the gospel is very serious. Would you agree with me on that? It's very, very serious. You're talking about the destiny of men and women. That's a big deal. So if the Lord speaks to your heart and tells you to share the gospel with somebody, when are you supposed to do that? Immediately. Clarity is a light that comes on, like that robber that we told about. He's in the dark, light came on, he saw, he had his, his confusion cleared up. Maybe not liked it, but his confusion was cleared up. Paul had his confusion cleared up. Couldn't understand why he couldn't go east. But the Holy Spirit began to direct his path to the west. Now, you may not realize this, but if you were to continue reading in chapter 16, here's what you'll discover. You'll discover that they do go to Macedonia. And you'll discover that they go to a town in Macedonia called Philippi. Does that sound familiar to anybody at all? The book of Philippians? Well, the reason they go to Philippi is because God directs them. And the reason there's a book called Philippians is because years later, Paul would write a book to the church of Philippi that got started when he went to Macedonia. Lydia got saved. A demon-possessed girl more than likely got saved. Y'all remember the story of Paul and Silas in the jail when the walls fell down? Y'all remember that story? That happens in Philippi. The jailer and his family get saved. That little fledgling church made up of Lydia, a formerly demon-possessed girl, and a former jailer, the first members of that church. But you know what's really, really crazy about this story? This is the nut part, the crazy part. This is nuts. Because of Paul's obedience, guess what? The gospel solidifies itself in Greece, Macedonia, Europe. And eventually, over years, the gospel would begin to migrate, guess what direction? North. And it will eventually, many years later, as it moves north, it will go into France, it will go into Italy, it will land in Russia, it will land in England, in Wales. And eventually... Because of that, the gospel will make a trip across the big pond into North America. Let me ask a question. If Paul was not obedient then, where would you be right now? A bunch of you be sipping tea over underneath Big Ben is where you'd be at. You know that, right? You'd be sipping tea under Big Ben if the gospel had not went to Europe. Think it's a big deal to be obedient to God and tell people about Jesus. What do you think? I think it's a big deal. So in conclusion, who is the Lord laying on your heart? Are you going to tell them about Jesus? And when are you going to do it? I'm going to ask our musicians to come forward this morning. Your brother Joe could come and if our uh, piano player could begin to play softly as we prepare for the invitation this morning. I would ask you if every head would be bowed, every eye would be closed this morning. Begin to ask the Lord a question today.
Lord, direct me. Just ask God, please, Lord, direct me to somebody today. Please direct me. Let the Lord lay somebody on your heart today. Just let God lay somebody on your heart. Now, there may be somebody here today that you don't know the first thing about sharing the gospel because you've never heard the gospel. You've never been saved. Oh, friend, Jesus loves you. He died for you. The reason he wanted Paul to be so laser-focused on somebody was because he wanted that person to be saved. And he wants you to be saved today, too. Jesus died for you, rose again. If you'd come this morning and surrender your life to Christ, turn from your sin and believe in Jesus, he will save you. For others today, you've done gospel to every home. You've went out in the community, but now God is directing you to personal evangelism, to get serious about individuals. And here in a moment, if God has laid someone in your heart, I'm going to challenge you to come and pray for that person this morning and ask God to save them and to help you be obedient. So, Father, thank you so much, Lord. And may you be with us today. Open up our hearts and help us to respond. In your name we pray. Amen. If we could stand to our feet as we begin to sing hymn number 407. If you stand to your feet, we have a deacon ready to receive folks if God is speaking to you. As we sing, listen to the Lord and be obedient to God.